0: Welcome to Free and Figuring It Out, a weekly podcast hosted by two Brits, Sherelle Griffith and Verity Brown, on a mission to support, empower, and reassure fellow independent millennial women that they can be self-sufficient, successful, and seen. Hello, and
1: welcome to this week's episode of Free and Figuring It Out. So, what have I been figuring out this week? Well, for those of you who listen to the podcast on a regular basis, I am dancing with the idea of not drinking alcohol um, ever, (laughs) Um, which is something that I'm doing okay at, but I feel like that's because I've been locked in my house for the past few months. So I am going for dinner with people who drink, who very much like to drink and drink a decent amount, and who don't know that I'm on this journey. So I'm trying to figure out kind of how to broach the subject, what to drink, um, you know, all of those things. Um, So yeah, I'm not quite sure. And I don't know whether it's just best to um, get there and see, just read the room and and figure it out then do you know what I mean but um yeah that is that is what I'm
0: trying to figure out do you think it makes a difference because they are big drinkers and normally you're drinking so you're worried about people being like oh why are you not drinking and you're having to go into that do you know what it doesn't
1: I've I've thought about this. It doesn't bother me. I don't care about being judged. I don't care about having the mickey taken out of me or people asking loads of probing questions or thinking, oh, was she an alcoholic or anything? Because the only reason I'm not drinking is because I just don't want to put toxins in my body anymore. And I don't think it was doing me any favors. I have nothing against alcohol. I have nothing against anyone who drinks alcohol. And I'm not sober. I am just kind of thinking about life without drink and mm. I'm on that journey. Um, But yeah, I suppose it's things like, you know, when the wine's ordered at the table, they'd be like, oh, what colour are you drinking? I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm not drinking. You know, and you don't know whether to go, I'm not drinking tonight or like, oh, I don't drink anymore. Or I'm just, it's like, yeah. And I think maybe I should just not think about it and just mm. get there and see what happens and little things like you don't know what's on the menu so they may have a nice mocktail menu so i can maybe have a mocktail or they may have some really great zero alcohol beer or they may have absolutely nothing and i may Mm. be on the sparkling water and all of those are fine for me i don't mind but again it's like you you just you just don't know until until you get there so yes that's what i've been figuring
0: out oh well good luck with that as uh, we've discussed before it's always a It's a weird one. And as someone who dated and didn't drink for a while, it was always a bit of a weird Mm. one when you go in. But I just wondered if, because you knew the people, if it made a difference rather than, because people knew you drank before, if that makes sense. Mm, So it's like, this is out of her normal behaviour rather than if you were going with new friends and it was just like, this is the new me sort of thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, they definitely will think that, but they'll have to get used to it.
0: They sure will. (laughs) And I am figuring out, Interior design, and in particular, I suppose, what I actually like and what I don't like. So, mm. I I spent a very long time always dreaming of having my own home. And then when I bought my flat, didn't really do anything with it. And you just thought I rented it; it looked exactly the same. Like I <laughs> I didn't paint a single wall. I didn't change basically anything. I think I managed to get up three, no, four pictures. <laughs> and that was about it like it was appalling to say the least so um my flat is currently getting gutted at the moment i've had major issues with my flat but the silver lining is i will now have a blank canvas again and i'm intentional on trying to actually do something with this black blank canvas so i've been really trying to get the pinterest on yes get the pinterest on and I suppose really try and find my style and what I like. And I know that it's so weird because some people are so clear on what they want. Like they know what they like, they know that what you don't. But if you've never been someone that's that interested in it, it can be a bit of a like minefield and actually working out, okay, what do I like? And then of the like styles I like, what can I make work within my flat in a, an acceptable or like effective way? So Yeah. Mm more more time on the pinterest woo you know i love some pinterest
1: yeah and i think i think that's a really good way to start I'm, i think i'm the opposite of you like i'm very defined on you know And i think you know i did fashion marketing degree so i'm yeah. very much kind of in tune with what i like what i don't and stuff but um and i think just don't put too much pressure on yourself like you may just want to like do like a wall that's a certain color that's what I've seen recently like rooms where the whole room's white and then one wall will be like a really beautiful navy blue mm-hmm. and there's some yellow cushions and that's it but you know it's so I think and if not like maybe look at services like not like crazy interior design but I'm sure there's people out there who will do like sessions where oh, yeah,
0: absolutely they
1: really try and help you figure out what your style is yeah no oh, and I think wait.
0: I know and I mean yeah like I think the feature wall stuff is like like I'm sure I'll end up the, the, my bedroom wall I'd always said like you should have a feature wall and then like never chose a color but for someone who's just basically so colorful and loves color to then have been living in a flat that was white with like cream carpet does seem a little bit weird
1: <laughs> yeah but it can be overwhelming as well yeah. you know and I think you're a busy woman and you know it is that's the way it's just not a priority for you oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it wasn't you know a priority but you know
0: i'm trying to figure it out
1: <laughs> now you're in your 30s yeah Woo. yeah old lady <laughs> oh, please don't say that we're not old we are in our prime
0: okay,
1: Sorry, um, we're in our prime. so i um i i when it first came out, was listening a lot to um, the dialogue between um, Marcus Rashford and uh, Boris Johnson. Um, Boris Johnson basically said that he was going to stop school meals during summer holidays, um, which sounds really normal and it is normal as in like children wouldn't normally get school meals during the summer holidays but what schools have been doing even though they were closed were providing food for those who you know were were struggling um and Marcus Rashford basically spoke out and was like you know please don't do that there's there's some people out there who just can't afford to feed their children at the minute um and I myself am from like an area of the country where there are a lot of children in poverty and I think it seems a bit hard to believe that when we live in one of the richest countries in the world but there are there's a lot of child poverty out there so um, he basically enabled uh, Boris to do a U-turn and there was just something really beautiful about it you know in the sense that Um, I think footballers have so much power in both money and status and everything Mm. and very rarely do they as far as I'm aware do things like this where they really show the activist side of them and yeah like David Beckham will do bits for sports relief and I know um, Ronaldo, even though he has a really bad rep, apparently does loads of stuff in secret for charity and things like that. But I think for Marcus, who I can tell isn't a natural kind of activist in in the sense of that this is something that he's been brought up Mm -hmm. believing in. Um, And I think, you know, he would say he's not the most book smart. So to speak up to a prime minister and really say what he's passionate about um and so they he appeared on on the front of vogue um in september uh the september vogue 2020 and it was all about this and it's just you know really made me think about covid black lives matter and the whole dialogue around how all these people with so great followings and their voice and where they put their energy and voice into um and I think it's it can be a bit of a pressure you know to say okay you have two million followers on Instagram you need to stand up for what you believe in Mm. because you will lose followers you will get the papers splattering it everywhere you will and it i'm hoping now that the momentum is ticking along and that you know it's not just you kind of known activists it's now seeping into the normal celebrity um and that they're gonna start speaking up about things they feel passionate about
0: i mean i think it's really hard to stand up for your stuff if you ha- like for what you believe in especially when you have a big following because no matter what you say there is always gonna be a backlash so even if you truly believe what you're doing is right and, you know, 75% of the people probably do, all the people that don't are just going to try and take you down. Mm-hmm. So I do have absolute support or, like, sympathy with people that do struggle to, to, to do the speaking out because I can understand how, yeah, there is this pressure where people say, well, you've got a voice so you should say something. But also the the return of that is... Yeah, but they are so much in the limelight that when they get ta- like, can get torn down, they're, like, they're really going to get torn down. And so it does take, I think, a lot of courage to stand up. And it's great that he did. And it's great that then Boris turned it around. And, you know, it's a great impact. And I think it's really interesting that he ended up in the front of Vogue because mm. that's not, you know, I'm not an avid reader of Vogue. But I'm imagining that's not the normal cover um, of someone that's been, like that it's because of what they've said and what they've done is a reason that they're getting on the front of a cover rather than it being more about like fashion and aesthetics and beauty and stuff
1: yeah and i think since the departure of alexandra shulman you know a few years ago vogue has entered a new era and i think it's refreshing and i think it has only been accelerated with um the events of this year in terms of reestablishing itself as as a a needed medium of of kind of content really Mm. Um, so it is it is nice to see and also you know without doubt it is a much more diverse publication than it was a few years ago which is um which is great so yeah i want to say well done marcus i think i think it's brilliant like you said i don't think it's an easy thing to do Um, i think you know, celebrities have a level of privilege, um, having the status they have, um, and I think it's just really for them to have a think about, you know, what they believe in, and, and can they do more to help with that? And, and a bit like I mentioned Zac Efron's um, documentary in the in the last episode, you know, he base he said, "I know I have a big following, mm-hmm. so I want to talk about climate change and the environment." to like educate my following and I think what a great thing to do like you could just go and make lots of movies and you know dance about on stage and stuff but you've decided you know that you you're gonna do, do both and I, and I think it's great so it's yeah a really good example
0: Fabulous. Well, I've not been reading a magazine clean. I've been reading Vogue. Obviously, I've been reading books and I have been reading, finally, I think is what some people would probably say, The Alchemist by Paolo (laughs) Coelho. I know, I know. Well, just to be clear, I am a 99% non-fiction reader. I run a non-fiction book club. I have a non-fiction book blog. Non-fiction is what I read. And Alchemist is fiction, so, you know, it doesn't fit into my reading world. But um, I had noticed someone on my Goodreads had been like, had read it. And I think it it had been on my list, like I'd heard people talk about it and I was like, oh, I should read it. But then I finally decided, fine, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read it. And I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think whilst it's a fiction story, so it's about, in the simplest terms... (laughs) And am very too laughs at me for describing it as this it's a shepherd who goes on a journey to find treasure <laughs> but that is what it is in its simplest terms it is yeah 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 um, it's just he learns a lot <laughs> on this journey and it's beautifully written and there are so many great quotes in it and I think that's the reason why I like it is it's sort of the lessons and the sort of advice you might find in a non-fiction book but that's like woven into a fiction book.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And and uh, I mean, I've giggled at you, but I only read it probably... F- seven years ago I didn't read it like ages and ages ago and I actually had a really beautiful experience where I was reading it in Oaxaca in Brixton and the waitress was like oh my god you're reading The Alchemist and I was like yeah and she was like I read it when I was about 20 and then I read it like about eight years later and said it was like two completely different books mm. and I can see that I've I've I thought it was beautiful, but by the time I'd read The Alchemist, I'd done so much personal development yeah. that it wasn't like, and it, you probably feel this as well, it wasn't like these big epiphanies like going off. It was like, oh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, tick, 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 yeah, yeah, that's how you should live life, yeah, great, you know. So I think in a way I I didn't experience that magic that a lot of people do because I'd already done so much work in those areas but I do think it's quite a spiritual book mm. um in in the sense and I, and I can see why you say it's it's got that non-fiction vibe because it's the sort of things that you would read in like a self-help book or a personal development book yeah. or you know it's it's just that's those same things isn't it
0: yeah i think you're really right about i can imagine years later it feels very different i definitely would say so someone who wanted to start going more into personal development and self-help and hadn't read anything yet then like this would be a great book mm. as a like a fiction thing to read before you then go into that world um yeah i definitely think there wasn't that many times where i was like oh my god this is amazing but it was all stuff that i know is true and i know is valid and i'm like and it was an easy read. So instead of it being something that felt very factual and like you're churning away, it because it was beautifully woven into a story, it was a nice nighttime read.
1: Yeah, and I think sometimes you need that for bedtime. Don't you, you need something that isn't going to ignite your mind? You just need something that's going to relax it and if you like that and i'm not i'm not pushing you to read another non-fiction i
0: mean next year uh, man, no, next another, year another fiction
1: <laughs> but um something that is of a similar bane and i found it one of the most powerful books i've ever read is the celestine prophecy
0: okay.
1: and it's not that well known and i i don't know why and then i think oh is it meant to be like the secret i don't know it's like but it's yeah. not a secret
0: now. All our all our listeners know about
1: it. All the millions of listeners. Hi guys. Um. So yeah, I definitely recommend that. Okay, cool. <laughs> so while you've been um being all like deep with Paolo, um, I've been getting down with Dolly. Um. So I watched on a rainy afternoon. Here I am, a Dolly Parton documentary. And before you all roll your eyes and turn off, um. I watched it because you know I've read lots of things and heard lots of things about Dolly Parton in terms of feminism and just her role as a woman and as a very um I don't know what the word but obvious woman you know Mm. a woman who is glamorous she's had plastic surgery she has the blonde hair she has big breasts you know she's very much that Marilyn Monroe-esque, you know, she Mm. does not hide her sexuality and her place in the world um, being a singer songwriter. And it was just a really beautiful kind of hour, hour and a half going through the songs she's written basically. Um, And I'm sure most of you know, but obviously she wrote, I will always love you um, that Whitney then later sang. Um, And, you know, when you really listen to what she wrote about, you know, a lot of it was about men treating her badly. It was about, you know, taking back your power as a woman. Um, she wrote about suicide. You know, she wrote about all the taboo subjects that we probably didn't realise that she was so on the pulse with. Um And then they talk about 9 till 5, the movie, and you know i mean that is just covered with misogyny and sexism and her character is this really strong woman who stands up to this male boss who just basically wants to shag her and it's just yeah it's just a really stick it on with a cup of tea and the rain outside and just don't make the rain come (laughs) no oh i love a bit of rain when i'm watching a good good bit of telly um but yeah, I just I I just found it very heartwarming. Um and I just I think she's a really interesting woman and it made me like Google some of the lyrics and I did listen to and and if you are a fan of Dolly or if you're not and you just like that vibe, that country vibe, uh, there's a film called Dumplin, which stars Jennifer Aniston, I think it's on Netflix. I watched it um a year or two ago and that's brilliant it's a, lov- a lovely lovely film so i definitely recommend that
0: so you've been enjoying your country vibes basically <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> country vibes in the raid whereas yeah. i realized because now i'm back i realized that i hadn't spoken about one thing i had been watching as my one thing i've been watching so regular listeners you know i don't listen to tv i don't watch tv sorry i don't even know the right words to describe it but um because i was back in nottingham with my mum, i had got into the habit of watching one program every sunday which was called rich house poor house and it's uh, it's reality that's the my phrase isn't it so it's there would be two families Someone from the top 10% in the UK and someone from the bottom 10% in terms of their disposable income that they have left each, okay. each week. So the theory is that they swap houses and they swap budgets. And what is meant to happen is it's a social experiment to try and see actually whether money, more money does mean more happiness. And very often what it will be is someone in the bottom 10% will have a budget of like 100 and normally between like 120 160 pounds per week of disposable income and the top 10 percent could be anywhere from like one and a half to four thousand pounds a week oh my gosh and so it would be people that are like like a family and they would be like the one i watched like a few weeks ago was like three kids are all in one bedroom um like ground floor f- uh flat so like no garden etc and then the rich house would be like somewhere with like an acre of land usually like five bedrooms everyone's gone on suite everyone's got a double bed great garages great cars they also get to change cars so they go and live in these people's houses for a week but they also get to drive each other's cars and i'm like Are you people crazy if i had a fancy car and i'm sure one time someone got to drive like a porsche or a lamborghini i was like i would not be letting them in that car um but really it's just this op- this chance to see like you know, one, it gives the rich people a real sense for their for their children, I think it's really valuable because they really get to see like how some other people live. Because I think actually quite a lot of the rich parents don't necessarily they're not coming from money. But there's that mm-hmm. always that hard thing about if you've had money your children really in this way of life, and they're like I can't even imagine, like, because well, they, they count the money out in the beginning for their budget, and they'll see it, and then they're like, "That's how much we spend on one dinner." And they're like, "No, we have to make this like work all week." And like, you see them go into the try and do the weekly shop, and they're actually having to like add things up in the shop, and they're like, "I've never had to worry about this ever in my life." And then the rich, um, the people that go to a rich house, are always like, they like they normally do it in like fifties, and they count out all the money, and the kids are literally like, "I've never seen this many fifties in my life." and they like always seem to get takeaway or they go for dinner and they like spend what be their whole weekly meal like whole Hmm. weekly money on like one meal and like it's quite often like then they buy themselves presents and stuff but it's interesting because they also do each other's weekly schedule so like i've seen like kids getting to go like have like piano lessons and like other musical mm. instruments or like horse riding and it's just really this opportunity for people to just see that like how the rest the other half of the world live and I think lots of us have assumptions like no matter what side we are I think you know there's like you said you come from a very poor area and mm-hmm. people make massive assumptions about what it is to be poor and also what it is to be rich and like oh yeah it must be nice to be rich and um like which people are like well this is your own fault you've got yourself into this situation and i think it's just a real look at actually how people are different and money can make a difference but actually there are situations that we don't understand and it brings up just like the real impact of either how people made that money or how people might have ended up being so poor and like how to be able to find like similarities between people and family units, regardless of where you sit on the like economic scale. So, yeah, I really do enjoy it. I am, as I said, it's my one bit of something different, but I think it's just enlightening to see how other people in the world live. And also, I really like nice houses. So, I just really like when they, I'm like just waiting to see when they turn off at this nice house. And because they'll say, like, this is a house and it normally costs X amount in this area. And it's just like crazy what Mm. houses get you in different areas as well so i think it sounds like
1: a really really beautiful show like for so many reasons Mm. um yeah i'm definitely gonna look at that i'm intrigued by by all of that and how people react and cope and you know everything in both ways you know it, it's uh like you say and like i think the ultimate question is does money bring you happiness and you know
0: yeah and um, people normally say it doesn't necessarily make you happy but it takes away a lot of stress that seems to be the yes. biggest thing if people um, yeah. because even the people that are non who have the like budget of like 150 pounds and they'll say quite often they seem to have el- electricity meters for example and people are like, like people like run into a cupboard they're like this thing's beeping what is it and they're like yeah you have to go put electricity and they're Mm. like actually I could deal we can get through this budget this week because it's one week it's not Christmas it's not someone's birthday like I haven't had to replace something I haven't had to save up for something and that's the idea there's also living someone else's life for one week is very different to living it forever oh definitely definitely yeah
1: yeah maybe the scope to um do it a a different like show on longer term and and see you know what happens there but yeah I know that sounds really interesting well we'll link that in the show notes so Shirelle what are we leaving our lovely listeners with this week
0: so I've been doing some deep self-reflection Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the questions that I had uh written down when I was doing this reflection which I thought would be challenging for people but it's a good one is am I learning from my mistakes ouch okay <laughs> no because the whole the whole point is life meant to be a lesson and I think mistake is a, a word a bit like failure that we all think is something to be scared of and to be wary of and I don't think it is mm. I think actually The thing about a mistake and the thing about failure is something has gone wrong. But as long as you're learning from it, it's valuable. And that's Mm -hmm. why I think this is a really important question, which is rather than something going wrong and then as like feeling ashamed about it and pushing it away or trying to ignore it. Actually, this question of am I learning from my mistakes is your opportunity to say, these are the mistakes I've made, but these are the lessons I've learned and actually really acknowledging those lessons so that you can follow them going forward and not make the same mistakes again. Like there's nothing wrong making a mistake once. If you're making it two, three, four times, something's wrong.
1: Yeah, no, I I think it's really powerful. I'm definitely gonna get the old journal out and uh, have a little think about that one. Um, So yeah, let us know what all you guys uh, say to that as well. So thank you so, so much for joining us this week. Uh, We hope you have a lovely day and we will see you next week.